today on The Breakdown. Let's say it's 2017 and you're at the final table of, I don't know, let's say the $5,000 Party Poker Millions Caribbean main event. And let's just say you're in third place in chips with a lot of chips, at least comparatively to the table. But, you know, Sam Greenwood's at the table too and he's the chip leader and he's decided to go after you. But you have something. You have a pretty good hand. But he's not going to make it easy. He's going to put a lot of pressure on you. What do you even do? Well, we're going to talk about that right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I thought sentences that start with what do you even was one of your pet peeves. Um, yeah, but, but you, it felt it felt appropriate here. Okay, it felt appropriate because I'm actually trying to like highlight the the situation is like ah, and to do that you have to say the word even. Do you People think, overdo it. Do you think if you could disembody yourself and listen to the podcast without having known that you did it, mm. that other Jonathan who was listening would be annoyed by the what do you even that you did in the opening? It's possible other Jonathan would be annoyed. Yeah, it's very possible. I am usually annoyed. Actually. The, um, not, yeah, like when they say like, what does that even mean? Oh, that's one of my least favorite things that's, that's said, especially in like TV and movies where they say it and it's sort of like stupid. It's like, you just mean, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. You dummy. The new, the new version, <laughs> the new version that all the millennials are saying mm. is what the actual fuck, which oh, I, yeah. I hate that one. That's I better. Hate. That's better than what does that even mean? As far as I'm concerned. I mean, think about it though. It's terrible. No, it's, it's a, it's a clever way of. <laughs> of saying something that's new and different. Eventually it'll get boring, but it's better than, it's way better than the other stuff. I don't hear many people saying it either. It's because you hobnob with millennials more than I do. I hobnob with all are sorts you, of people. You're not a millennial. Though, of course right? I'm a millennial. Are you? What do you think I am? I'm not sure. No one really knows how old you are in fairness to me. Right? I have no idea how no. old I am. I'm like, like I'm like minute bull. Nobody actually knows my age. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might be, I mean, seriously, you might be like, I'm looking at you. Yeah. You could be 29. Like a really like rough living twenty nine. Wow, wow. <laughs> or or you could be like a incredibly pristine, really well like kept up eighty two. <laughs> Thank you. Like the eighty two year old where you're like that guy's eighty two. He looks good for eighty two. <laughs> I don't like this podcast. This is really rude and, and hurtful. Uh, Good times. I'm smack dab in the middle of the millennials, bro. I got yeah. my finger on the pulse of all the millennials. I do not. I would just like to announce I am not smack dab in the middle of the millennials and I do not have my finger on the pulse. And it's okay with me because yeah. what are you going to do? You can't change it. When, when does the next marketing generation become actually like activated in marketing terms? I would say when they turn 18. Yeah, which is when? Do you know? Nope. I think the youngest millennials are currently like in their early 20s. So it's got to be... Well, like, that would mean then the, the next generation yeah. would already be have turned 18, right? Yeah. But you know what? They don't have a lot of, a lot of buying power yet. Like, you, yeah. want, you want maybe half of them get to 18 or something like that, 18, or and then that group, that demographic is more powerful. They don't have a name yet, right? They're just Gen Z. Someone's calling them something. Right. Aver- somewhere in some marketing you know, boardroom, they have a name. Anyway, Sam Greenwood's a millennial, and he is in this is hand. He? Certainly, he's in his 30s, I believe. I mean, he looks like he could be 45. He, I mean, <laughs> you're just so insulting to everybody. It's not true. By the way, I look amazing. <laughs> I said a really incredibly pristine 82-year-old. What is, what? I also said 29. That's younger than you are. Yeah, what did you say besides that? <laughs> Rough living or something? <laughs> yeah. 
That's I really appreciate. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime I'm going to guess your age, you know, you're going to hear something like that, right? Like it isn't like you were surprised, right? Yeah, you don't want to go down the age train, buddy. We can keep I'm, going, but we're not I, going. To. Okay, let's move. All right, on. so we got Greenwood, who's a millennial, and Andre Shadilov, who is not a millennial. He's probably also Gen X, like Jonathan. Yeah, probably. So it's millennials versus Gen X. Very exciting. Yeah, let's go Gen X. Yeah. You guys don't care about anything, right? Though no. you're like the nihilism generation. We are super dead inside. You're the, you're the fight club nihilism, watch everybody fight generation. Uh, yeah. If the building explodes and you don't feel anything, it's okay. That's yeah. us. That's Gen X. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I don't like the millennial reputation, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to associate with it. Okay. Okay. I'll, I, I think I associate more with Gen X actually, as far as my thoughts. It doesn't matter. All right. Let's get to the hand. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is a, a tournament where they give you way too many chips. For just to make it look cool, I guess they give you one million chips to start. This is an insulting amount of chips. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been that way for a while with chip stacks and stuff. But this is—we're officially in. Okay, when we get to the final table, and there's still eight players left, right? Yeah, the blinds are two and a half million, five million. That is so dumb. It is very dumb. By the way, this is 2017, so it's not like new. Yeah, we, yeah. So I mean, it's, honestly, it's dumb that we we have. We have starting stacks of like 50,000 or, or 10,000 even when the lowest denomination is like 100. So it means really we're playing, you know, what, instead of 10,000, we're playing 100. Right? right. Like you might feel like this year at the World Series of Poker, the starting stacks have been inflated and is dumb because if you actually look at the structures and everything, it doesn't actually change the structure. It just yeah. changes the starting stacks, which is actually good for all of the pros because of it gets more of the dummies to think that there's more play, which for some reason they think is good for them, which of course. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah. That way they can wait around longer. Or maybe they can just mind. get like more hours of play. You know, it's like a, yeah. it's like a, a per hour cost right. sort of thing. They, I mean, that's, yeah, this is the part, not surprising that the amateurs wouldn't know what's good for yeah, them though, right? right. But so anyway, my point is like, so you think, we we now like you and I, Jonathan, are thinking like, well, it's so dumb. The World Series is making you like the fifteen hundreds have like forty k starting stacks now, and like they were just seventy five hundred, and they made it forty k just to make it seem like there's more, but really the structure ends up being the same. But you have a good point that like we don't. There's no w- chip of one in tournaments where right. there easily could be. Like you could start with two hundred chips and have two hundred big blinds. Right, and th- I mean that's what you do in cash games, yeah. right? Like if you're playing. I guess 50 cent a dollar, use $200. Yeah. Is to, but yeah, however you do it, right? You absolutely could do that. There's no reason not to accept marketing. Yeah. All of this is just marketing. All these numbers, these inflated, all the extra zeros. Right. It's it's really dumb, but we all fall for it. And the truth is, as long as you're, as you're saying, like the tourists really fall hard for it, then it's good for us. So, yeah. okay. That's honestly, and I think the World Series is doing the right thing because the most yeah. common complaint that I've heard were when like, Somebody asked me about the World Series and asked, like, should I play or whatever? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, but you don't get any chips. I'm like, right. dude, a $500 World Series event has a way better structure than anything you've ever played if you've never played over, like, a $300 right. buy-in tournament. Right. You know, so even though you only used to get 7500 and before that, 4500 the structure was still way better. Still get hour-long levels. Yeah. And, and more levels. Like, all the yes. levels are in there. And everybody still has plenty of blinds at the final table. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like probably an average of what 35 to 40 blinds at the final table for those things right yeah like in the tournaments that most of these people are playing it's like five hours in you're really starting to feel it hardcore yeah. at the world series five hours into these other tournaments like 40 percent of the field is gone 50 yeah. percent of the field is gone something crazy you know right yeah anyway so we're dealing with a super inflation here of a 1 million starting stack yes. so the blinds are 2.5 and 5 million whatever um current payout there are eight players left is seventy thousand. Yeah. And first place is 1 million. So there's a <sighs> lot a lot to play for. Second place is 650k. So like there's yeah. the huge top heavy jumps here. 
And guess who at the table cares the least about those little jumps in between eighth and first? Sleepy Sammy Greenwood. Sleepy Sammy Greenwood. That's a pretty good nickname. Thanks. Yeah. So he's he's, uh, the type of guy that is going to be terrifying to play against, especially if you really care about this money. I will say this is this is 2017, so this is before he won on his truly huge run that he's been on. So the money means more to him now than it at, at this time than it than it would you know in 2018 and 2019. But still, compared to everyone else at this table, I'm just looking at all the names. I've only heard of Shadowlov, and only because I saw his face, I was like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Jason Kuhn was uh, finished tenth in this event, so he was a guy who also didn't care about yeah. the money jumps in the same way. The truth is, though, no one should care that much in that it's $70,000 for eighth. It's a $30,000 money jump to seventh. Then it's a 50K, then 70K. It's kind of gradual for a while until you hit, not surprisingly, the top three. Right. Nobody should care, but 30K is like, in real life, that's a lot of money that can do you a lot of things. Yeah, it's a $5,000 buy-in tournament. Of course, 30K is going to matter to a lot of these guys. Yeah. And if not 30K, then like you're thinking, well, if I can just last two more places, I double the, I almost double my payout. Right. Yeah. From 70 to 150. And then if I can last three more places, I triple the payout. Like that's legit. And this is where, you know, all the expected value comes in on these tournaments is yeah. right here in all these spots and all these decisions. And so right. sometimes it really pays to be careful and like, you know, wind your way through it. And other times it pays to go for it. Yeah. And that's the kind of the pain of tournaments is like, yeah, is balancing laddering up versus going for it because most people don't get opportunities to be in spots where first place is a million and there are eight players left that many times in their life, if any times. Right. So you don't want to squander that opportunity by being overly loose and like chasing first place. At the same point, you don't want to squander the opportunity by being overly tight and never giving yourself a chance to get first place unless you cooler everybody. I mean, and it's, it, and it's tough to, to balance that when you're sitting there and it's real money and you may never be there again. Yeah, it's you know? really, really hard. Yeah. There's, there's a pressure that... Um, and not that I've been in that exact situation, but I've certainly been in spots where like the money's getting real, you know, like legit real. And there's all these good players and they're fucking putting a lot of chips in a lot. And it's sort of like, I'm just thinking for myself, like day three of the millionaire maker, uh, two years ago where like, there's, I don't know, a hundred players left and there's a lot of money to be won, like a lot Yeah, from my point of view anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and like, I was starting to feel it a little bit, you know, and like, it's like, I don't know, like, am I going to, like I'm, I was more careful putting my tournament on the line than I otherwise, uh, you know, might have been if we were earlier in the tournament. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, I don't, I don't think this is optimal. But the biggest spot I've been in is when I made a World Series of Poker final table, mm-hmm. not not the main event or anything, a fifteen hundred dollar event, and ended up finishing fifth. And uh, in that event, I didn't actually feel it at all. I oh, didn't feel good. the pressure at all. But I I did it in a, I think a suboptimal way. But it was the best thing I could do to shut myself off to it. Then was to just like not know the payouts. Right. And play it as if like, like I have a general understanding of how payouts typically work, but I don't want to know the numbers. I don't yeah. want, and maybe that makes it so I don't have like a tactile attachment to the numbers and I can just play as if it's a $300 tournament that yeah. I've done, you know, you know, tens or hundreds of times or whatever at final tables and, and not worry as much about the money and just try to play as well as I can. Of course, that neglects the actual ICM factors of what the actual jumps are that should be affecting my decisions. But I, I shut myself off to that in order to not have the overall mindset of thinking about, like, oh, it's actually $40,000 if I have just fold right. here and then the person next to me busts. I mean, it's interesting, right? At the same point, because you do have a general understanding of how payouts work, of course, yeah. at this point, like, I think that's probably a good way to do it. 
you know, like it's probably useful to just not know, but no, I mean, no, generally, yeah. but not know, like you could, you would know more or less what the, what the money jump was. If you had to guess, like yeah. you'd be within some reasonable amount. So you can make relatively reasonable ICM calculations if you have to, but it's not going to overly weigh on you in the same way. Cause you won't know the exact, the specificity I think could hurt you Yeah, if you're that, and some people it doesn't, but like, you know, the less you're made of money or the, or certain personality types, the more it's going to like affect you. And I think I'm one of those people too, who it would affect. So I think I would probably do better also not really knowing exactly, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, like yeah. it's, it's maybe sometimes it's good to know if it's affecting other people, but they know anyway. So like, and you can usually tell pretty quickly if it's affecting other people, you know, yeah. it's always fun when it is. I mean, I wonder if I would have played differently. Like the way I busted was with pocket threes in the big blind when the, one of the two chip leaders opened, and I shipped my 17 blinds and like I n- knew the current payout was something around what I was th- actually thought it was. No, less. you thought it was a lot less. Yeah. But like if I had, I knew what first place was and I was like, okay, so, you know, it's like, you know, $300,000 difference between here and first. And that might've affected me and made me not make the play, which I think was the correct play. Yeah. And it was the correct play. It, I busted on the play. The guy at Ace King and got there, but um, which I'm not complaining about. So sick. So sick, bro. He did fist pump, though, which was kind of unprofessional. They do that a lot. Yeah, well... He's not a, he wasn't a professional, was he? He was, but he was 21, so... Okay, whatever. He's like a little young... Whatever. Yeah, he ended up winning the tournament. Um, I wonder if it would have affected me and I would have played differently. I don't know. I doubt it. Like, that's a pretty ready-made spot where you're like, oh, great, great spot to shove. So probably not, but... But if it would have in any way at all, it's just I'm glad you I'm glad you didn't know yeah. anything. You know what I mean? I'm glad you knew less, so that way you played it correctly. Yeah, and also I was the clear short stack at the time, so it made that, it easy. That makes it yeah. easier for sure. If there was a two blind stack, I don't know what I'd do there. It makes things different. It, you probably are supposed to fold if it's a two blind stack. Yeah, because um, it's threes and stuff. Probably yeah. like you're supposed to be going out of your way to not bust if right. it's a two blind stack. Either way, and you know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to what we're dealing with here. So we're going to see kind of, kind of an iteration in this hand between Sam Greenwood and Andre Shadilov of just the mass, massive pressure that can be put on people when yeah. the money gets real and you're in a tournament that has significant money. Yeah. Um, all right. So who, who suggested this, mister? I was about to get to that. Rocky oh. Falcoa, which is I guess is a really? play on Rocky Balboa. Yes, it, it really has to be. <laughs> on Twitter, Rocky Falcoa, we got a rookie suggester. Well, it's about freaking time. We've had, a f- we've had a few recently, actually. I'm talking about today. It's about time. This is my first rookie suggester of the day. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Thank you. Rocky, of course, suggested on Twitter, included a YouTube link and a timestamp. This was within a greater episode, and Rocky went ahead and right-clicked on the YouTube video, and what does it say? that you Embed. Can embed. Embed the link at this time. Embed, embed link at this time, and that'll just, whatever link YouTube then gives you, you paste, and it starts the video right there, and that's what Rocky right. did. It's a little insider thing for you guys. Yeah. Only Martha Stewart knows about it. And, and now you. Yeah. We told Martha earlier. Yeah. Because she's a listener to the insider podcast. Insider joke. Insider trading. Yeah. It's very funny. Um, Andre, Andre, oh, wow. Voice cracked again. Andre Shadilov, although he's not a household name, if you saw a picture of him, you might recognize him if you watched EPTs a lot. He made a bunch of like deep runs in EPTs yeah. five to eight years ago, I would I, say. I used to watch the EPT back in the day, and I definitely recognized him when I saw him. I was like, it's that guy. Yeah. So he's not like the ultimate candidate for Greenwood to attack because he's had some serious tournament success. Yeah, he's uh, coming into this. He's got, I can tell you, he had 2.65 million in winnings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's, he's going to be less afraid than a lot of other guys. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the hand. Okay. 
Sam Greenwood is going to be in the cutoff. He's got the chip lead with 194 million, but Shadalov is in third with 181 million. There's another guy in between him, so he doesn't have like the lock on the chip lead. Yeah, and um, that and the blinds are five million, so under 40 blinds for the big stack in the tournament really shows you how what all those chips do for you. Exactly, you still have under 40 blinds for the chip leader with eight left. Like, give me a break. It's all the same party poker. All right, so. Two point five million, five million, five million dollar button ante, I believe, which is mm-hmm. was twenty seventeen. So there, you know, there's like the button ante crowd and the big blind ante crowd, and the big blind ante crowd seems to have won by now. It does seem like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Greenwood opens king nine off in the cutoff to ten million. King of hearts, nine of clubs. Min raise seems odd, but I guess he's just like, yeah, they're folding anyway. I guess, yeah. But you would think because Green was probably opening a lot. I'm guessing. I would assume. So maybe he's just trying to like save money by min-raising and expecting similar amounts of folds from the big blinds as if he made it 12 and a half million or maybe whatever. especially if it's Shadowlov where he knows he's going to defend like yeah. the correct amount so it's right. sort of all the same. And King 9 is going to be ahead of Shadowlov's range but you know in the cutoff King 9 is a fine open it's just like you know a little loose. I mean Shadowlov is probably going to defend pretty much all kings when you min-raise. Yeah. So you actually keep the bad kings in. If you make it 12 million he may actually fold some of the bad kings. I don't know if he really will, but he might. So actually, in some ways, maybe it's better. Also, yeah. as you said, it's cheaper. And Shadalov is in the big blind. Everybody folds to Shadalov, who's got Queen Jack of Diamonds. This is definitely a call. Yes. I mean, you could three bet, but with the situation, that sounds a bit crazy. It seems dumb. Yeah. You're, you're trying not to play huge pots with the with the chip leader, uh, especially Sam Greenwood as a chip leader, I think, unless you have really good reason to. And this is not a good reason. Yeah. This is a good reason to call, and let's keep the pot small right now and figure it out. Yeah, and there are a couple 20 blind stacks there, and the short stack has 66 million, so just over 12 blinds. Yeah, 13. 13 yeah. blinds. Um, so, you know, you don't want to mess around too much with the other chip leader guy. Yeah, like, again, like maybe we're going to flop huge, and then whatever, maybe we get cooler, fine, but like we don't have to like push the edge right now. This yeah. is not the greatest spot to push the edge. So the pot's going to be 27.5 million heading to the flop. And the flop is one of the things that you can visually see on Nitrogen Sports Poker Room because they have the technology, Jonathan. Yes, they've uh, recently upgraded. So now you can see the flop. Yeah, and the turn and the river. Wow. And actually the amount of chips you have, your opponents have. They've really splurged. Pot size. Yeah, nothing, no stone unturned when it comes to a poker hand on Nitrogen Sports Poker. Yes. It's fantastic. Which is not a room. It is not a room. It's not a room. It's an online environment. It's an online ecosystem <laughs> where you, you can cultivate yes. all of your poker desires. You can grow your poker winnings and dreams. Yes. So if you want to do that, which if you don't, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. But if you do, you should use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen because that gives you access to our monthly, at the end of every month, last Sunday, Poker Guys Tournament it's a 0.1 millibit buy-in, 100 millibit guarantee. That means the guarantee is 1,000 times the buy-in. We never have even gotten 100 players. I say it over and over again, and yet we still haven't gotten over 100 players. That means there's still free money out there, and uh, you should take it. I'm going to start calling it our tournament of champions because anyone who plays in that is a champion of expected value. They are an expected value champion. So fair enough. Yeah, so use the link when you sign up. There's also, of course, sports betting and casino games. You don't have to download any software. It's all housed on your browser, yet it's still very pretty and wonderful. So get on Nitrogen. Enjoy yourself some some leisure. <laughs> exactly. You're a man or a woman of leisure, aren't you? Yes. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the audience. I'm being... Audience, 
Respond out loud, though, right now, please. No matter what's going on. I don't care if you're on a plane <laughs> next to somebody who is sleeping and they have a condition where if they wake up, they have a heart attack. In fact, please stand up and announce loudly <laughs> enough that I might, I might be able to hear you from where I am. Yeah. By the way, not only am I probably very far from you because I'm in Portland, Oregon, I'm also in the past. So yeah. I really need you to be loud. <laughs> okay. So, so just announce, I am a blank of leisure. Yes. Yeah. Please, please loudly. do it now. <laughs> Conference call at work, and you haven't <laughs> talked for a while, so you're listening to some poker guys and kind of half listening. You also you also have to press the button to allow that they can oh, hear yeah. you on the conference call. Right. I don't care if it's mid sentence of the CEO. I don't care. <laughs> You'll get a promotion probably. I am a man of leisure, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Okay. If you haven't done it yet because you've been a little squirrely about it, now you have to do it. Now, now, do it now. Okay. All good right. Good job, job everyone. Thank I heard you. you. Yeah. I heard you all. Wow. Through time. And backwards in time, it's it's harder to yell backwards because of the wind. <laughs> you know, um, wouldn't it have been something if we did hear some? If we did hear them, we'd be like, "Time travel is real." That would so, have been. Uh, I don't know. I might have to change the whole entire way that I live. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's head to the flop. With okay. Greenwood with King Nine off, King of Hearts, Nine of Clubs, and Shadowov with Queen Jack of Diamonds, twenty-seven and a half million in the pot. Flop is. Queen of Spades, Deuce of Clubs, Five of Hearts. Great flop for Shadowlove. I mean, not, good not, flop. Yeah, not much yeah. to be afraid of other than sets and over pairs. Ace Queen, King Queen. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, obviously, this is a good flop. Yeah. But of course, he's going to check. That seems like a very standard thing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see Sam Greenwood do something that he, I guess he's been doing since 2017, which is minuscule sizing. He I got to get out that. a microscope to see this bet here of 7 million into 27 and a half. Wow. What's this? It's queen five, three? Queen five, deuce. Queen five, deuce. It is a rainbow board. Well, there's not that many calls Shadowlove really has, so this is a reasonable board to do it. Now, Sam seems to do it on every board nowadays, but this board especially is super dry and yeah, boring. Ass- assuming a good player, what Shadowlove is, is never folding a deuce for any reasonable sizing. Right, not, on the, not for one bet. Yeah, so there's not really a reason to size it up more, I guess, in Greenwood's mind. Mm-hmm. Now, of, of course, that means when he has value, he has to size it this way as well. Mm-hmm. So he misses out on value overall, but I'm sure Sam Greenwood has done some sort of algorithmic calculation of what his sizing is supposed to accomplish. I mean, Sam has less value than he does uh, bluffs on the flop when he bets this much, right? So in his mind, it's okay if he misses some value some of the time. He probably gets more folds. uh, Or probably he's bluffing for cheaper, and that's more value than the than the value he would get when he gets called when he actually has it. So that's probably the thought process. And this is not something I actually would do, but if I were sitting there as Shadowlov, the sizing would almost make me want to raise. I know. Be like, I can't just let you bet seven million and get to the turn here and, and like, like I don't king. get any value for my top pair. And here. then it, like King comes yeah. off and you just feel like such an idiot. Yeah, yeah, but that shouldn't be a consideration. Against a guy like Sam. No. Against a, a very easily exploitable player, maybe you should raise when you have a bluff if they bet seven million here because like they always have a bluff because they're they size their bluff small or vice versa. They always have value when they bet small and exploit mm-hmm. them. But Sam Greenwood is not the guy that you can exploit. No. And Shadowlov knows that and makes the call. Yeah. It's kind of sad when you flop top pair and you're like, oh, he's only giving me 7 million now. Like I'm usually winning and he's only giving me 7 million on the flop. It's like, it's going to go check, check. I'm going to bet the river's going to fold and that's the hand. Yeah. Like, cool. I won three and a half blinds. I mean, yeah. good, but like also whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the pot is now 41 and a half million. 
The turn is the eight of clubs. The one, the one good thing about Sam betting seven million is you don't feel like your stack is threatened, which is good considering there's a 12 line stack and stuff. That's true. Anyway, please continue. Eight of clubs in the turn. Okay. So it's now queen, deuce, five, eight. There, it is the second club. Now, see, one of the things about Sam betting seven million is he can absolutely have pocket eights. He can absolutely have pocket eights, yes. Anyway, that's I all. mean, he can have everything. Yeah. Pretty much everything that he would open in the cutoff he yeah. could have here. Assume he's just betting all of it. Yeah, I think in a tournament million. situation like this with all of the ICM pressure like we spent so long talking about, like Greenwood with a, a big stack is not going to be balanced uh, on boards and just checking backboards and betting some boards. He's going to bet pretty much all the time, heads up, I think. He's going to bet a huge amount of boards, certainly any queen five deuce rainbow yeah. board. Like, I think he's doing that anyway. Right. You know, like forget about the situation. That's a very bettable board. Right. All right. So the turn is the eight of clubs. Shadowlov checks. Yeah. And now things are going to start to get a little bit scary because Greenwood decides, okay, let's let's go for it. I mean, this guy is going to really – is he really going to want to put his tournament on the, line, on the line here? So Greenwood bets again. Yeah. Which is definitely something you should be doing, I think, because like like we said, Shadowlov's not folding a deuce on the flop. Right. And when Greenwood bets $7 million, Shadowlov might not be folding hands like King Jack. I think he's calling with a lot of his aces. I think he's calling with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So you, seven you really have to give yourself a chance to win the pot here as right. Greenwood, I think. I agree. So he's going to go for it in a big way by betting $36 million into 41.5. Wow. That really feels different. In a, in a late-stage tournament, that's like the equivalent of a 2x pot bet in a cash game, kind of. It's like huge. Yeah. So it feels like a big deal. Also, and it's, it's not a scary board from a draw point of view either. So this is like, it's almost like, what is Sam even... Why is he betting so much? Right. It's like so, weird that he's betting so much. All right. At this point, we can begin to range Sam at least for value because yeah. he might just have so many, so many damn bluffs. Like he really might. Yeah. But so betting 36 million here, what does he have for value? In theory, he yeah. has the, the small sets. Yeah. Like deuces, so, fives, eights. Probably a set of queens too. Probably a set of queens. He may be a little less apt to bet this big with a set of queens because there's very little than Shadowlove can call him. True. Um, I guess we. I guess on this kind of a dry board, he can have aces and kings. I guess we have to give him ace queen. Yeah. I guess if we can give him ace queen, maybe we can give him king queen. But I think that's really pushing it. King queen is questionable. Ace queen is a little bit questionable, but I think he's assuming like. Aces and ace queen play the same. Yeah, right? I think ace queen is probably. We block a queen, but so yeah. what? Like, I don't know if I my my real question is why would he bet so much with a really strong hand? I just don't entirely get it. Like, it's so hard to get called by anything from Shadowlaw's point of view. Now, maybe you could do the freaking leveling game to the point where Shadowlaw starts calling with two sevens and stuff yeah. like that, and it's fine. But mostly, I'd be really concerned as Sam if I had any of those hands and I bet this big that I would just be folding out way too much of Shadowlaw's range of hands that are showdownable. Yeah. I mean, I imagine Greenwood is balanced here, but maybe yeah. he's not because it's such an exploitative situation that he's like, I'm going to bet bigger with my bluffs and less with my value. And it's going to work out fine because this isn't a situation that occurs enough for it to need to be balanced. Right. He could actually maybe be thinking, yeah, go ahead and be suspicious. Go ahead and think I'm bluffing. You're still going to fold almost always, right? Like it still sucks for you. So whatever, what do I care? Now, Shallow actually has a hand that it's going to be tough to fold. On yeah. The turn. That said, he beats no value already. He beats no value. Yep. So that's interesting. It is interesting. But I don't think Shadowlov can fold. He's a bit too high up in his distribution. It's sand, it it's, yeah. I mean, what, what better hands does Shadowlov have? He can have all the sets except for queens. Yeah. He can have... He can um, have two pairs. He can have like queen deuce suited, queen five suited, yep. five deuce suited. Eight five suited. Eight five suited. Queen eight suited. 
Did you say eight deuce suited? Did you say no? That? You but can, he can have that. You can probably have that too for the min raise. He can have that. Yeah, he can have eight five off. Actually, and probably queen eight off too. Yeah. Um. So he can have all that. He can have king queen. He can have ace queen. He can decide not to have three yeah. bet ace queen with a twelve blind stack when when it's against a chip leader. It's it's not unreasonable to just call there. Right, ace queen. But that sounds like a lot. But then you have to count on he has like every deuce and every five in the deck almost. And as we said, maybe some king highs, maybe and, some ace highs, maybe some back stuff with back. And doors. all of the worst queens. So, like, he's pretty high up in his distribution Yeah, no, he is. He and is. based on that, he's got a call. The only problem is it really looks like something big's coming on the river, and unless you hit a jack or a queen, it's not going to be, like, a snap decision. That's true. On the other side, we're sending a message to Sam, which is, like, look who didn't just – look who didn't fold when you yeah. bet huge. Like, maybe I've got something I'm really not going to fold. Maybe you shouldn't, like, push it, bro. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard – like, if Sam has ace-queen here – he bets $36 million and gets called, and a brick comes on the river. Let's say a deuce comes on the river, and we can feel like he doesn't have a deuce really ever yeah. anymore. Um, how much do you think we could safely bet for value as Sam? Probably something like 40% of pot. Right. Like, you can't bet too big. It's like you got, you're trying to keep king-queen around without, like, freaking it out, basically, yeah. right? Um, 40% of pot sounds about right. You can't bet huge. So that's a good sign for Shadow Love in that, like, I don't know, is Sam really going to bring all the thunder on the river, like... After, after we call this big bet on the turn, like he might give up with some of his bluffs. Even with his value, he's probably not going to bring too much thunder unless he's got a true monster and decides to really go for it or just be bluffing, of course, too, is the other option. Yeah. I know I said he's going to shut down on some of his bluffs when we call this big, this big size on the turn. But when he's not, when he decides to bluff, again, he's probably going to have to bluff really big, which is both good and bad. Right? Yeah, bringing the thunder. Yes. Both good and bad in that. Good in that we could win a lot more chips. Bad in that we might fold the best hand. That's yes, bad. that's the bad part. <laughs> All right, so Shadowlov is going to call this turn bet, which I yeah. think he's obligated to do. Oh, and it feels so bad. It's pretty uncomfortable. You're like, oh, there's short stacks around here. The current payout is only 70k. First place is a million. We're not that far away. Yeah, Sam, check the river, please, and let me win. Also, you're like a jack would be fine on this. Uh, I, I would take a jack yeah. on the or a queen on the river. You could still lose, but you know, then your decision is at least made for you. Yeah, it's super straightforward. We could decide to check. And call. We don't yeah. have to. We don't have to check raise, especially with all the short stack situations. It's like then you're like, please bet big, please bet big, and also don't have me. Yeah, <laughs> be losing. Yeah. All right. So now the pot is big. It's 113.5 million. Yeah. Which you know is bigger than a lot of the stacks. At the table. How much does Shadowlove have left? Uh, so they've put in 43, 53. 53. He started with 181, so he's got 131 left or 128 left. Okay, so just not that much more than pot, but okay, got it. Yeah. All right, so the river is a seven of diamonds. It's a pretty clean run out, you know? Queen, deuce, five, eight, seven, no flush came in. Yep, there's some straighty things happening, but not too many. Yeah. And unfortunately for Shadowlov, Greenwood could have the straights as played. He can have four, six, and six, nine, yeah. Yeah, whereas Shadowlov cannot, Right. whatever. That is problematic for sure. Also, six, nine is the nuts, and Sam actually has a nine in his hand. Oh, yeah, that's kind of nice for Sam. Yeah. Although that's not a huge factor. No, the it's nuts, really in, not. In this hand, the nuts are not as big of a factor as right. they often are. Because Shadowlove, as we said, doesn't really have queens. and does, Maybe once in a while, but usually doesn't have queens and almost never has any straights. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the river is seven of diamonds. Shadowlove checks. Can't imagine any other option. I know a lot of very bad players would bet really small here as a blocker bet. Like, mm. just not wanting to deal with it. You know, I've, yeah. seen it. I've seen it a million times. That's a bad play. It's a bad play. Don't do that. Someone like Sam Green is just going to win the pot. He's going to win more chips from you yeah. when, he sh- when he raises you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
So this is where the pressure really comes into play. Yeah. Sam Greenwood moves in. He turns it up to 11. He's got King High. Shadalov's in there with top pair. He moves in for more, more than Pot because it's Shadalov's effective stack of $128 million. Yeah. Pot's $113 million. Greenwood, by the way, only has 13 more than Shadalov. So if he loses his Pot, it, it devastates him, wow. which adds a lot of power to the shove, actually. It does. If, if Greenwood was sitting there with 120 blinds, it would feel a lot more like he's bluffing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just to remind everyone, Greenwood has the king nine, so he's got king high. Shadow has queen jack suited, so he's got top pair with a medium kicker. That's it. Yeah, queen deuce five, eight, seven was the run out. So what's going through Shadow's head? Um, I think the first thing is probably like, fuck. Yeah. Come on, man. Really? <laughs> like, that would be my first thoughts. So I'm like, ugh. Actually, I think I jumped the gun on that. I think we should ask if this was a good idea by Greenwood. Okay, great. Um, before moving on That's to That's a good idea. Thoughts. That's a good idea. Was this a good idea by Sam Greenwood? Okay, let me start by saying I don't hate it just because playing this aggressively at a final table where the money jumps are like right in front of everyone and they can see it and sort of the threat of Shadowlove busting for, what is it, $70,000 yeah. instead of getting a real shot at the big money or all the money is powerful. Yeah. And so it's going to be hard on Shadowlove almost no matter what. That said, when Shadowlove calls the turn for that much, as Sam Green, what are we putting Shadowlove on? What yeah. hands are we putting him on? I mean, Shadowlove could still easily have a set. You know, I think Shadowlove's right. going to have to play the sets like this a lot of the time. I agree. I mean, there's just not that many combos of sets out there, and we don't put him on a set of sevens, a rivered set. So at least there's right. only three sets he can have because we don't think he can have queens. Eights, fives, and deuces. So, so that's, that's only nine, nine combos. combos of sets. And then there's... And the, other, the only other things he has, though, are queens, right? Queens and two-pair hands, which... I think he would raise some of the two pair hands yeah. on the turn just because it's really like deuce five is so vulnerable. He might decide to raise that hand. Maybe queen eight. He just calls. He might raise some two pair hands some of the time. He, honestly, he's going to raise some of the sets some of the time yeah. too, right? He's not going to be a hundred percent check calling right. sets. Right. Um, he can't. Um, so, but some, so he's going to have some slow plays in them and some not, but, but we can, so as Sam, we can eliminate at least some of the, the hands that are sort of insta calling or calling like two pair is going to find a call. Yeah. Right. Like, it's hard to uh, give you a pretty crazy fold to fold any two pair combo, yeah, I think. I think so. Because the concern is like, if you're sitting there in Shadow Off Seat, I know we're jumping, I'm jumping to that, but like, he could have aces, right? Like, that's, we're sort right, of, as Sam, we're repping, repping like aces plus here. Yeah. I guess kings plus. Yeah, kings plus. Um, so, so really, Sam is, I think, attacking a queen at this point, right? Once the call happens on the turn, he's like, I'm not going to get two pair to fold, but he doesn't have that much two pair. Yeah. But queens, when I min race, boy, does he have a lot of queens, and maybe he's just holding on with a queen. Something Which is like that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, I think, this is pretty powerful. Yeah. So I think... Well, is this, it good? I, th- I think it might be. Yeah, I think it might be because I don't think you're going to get much many queens to fold if you bet like 40K or 40 no. million into the 113 pot or whatever it is, or 50 million even. It's probably not going to get that many queen folds. You get some, but not a ton. I think if you're going to not give up, you should bet really big. Yeah. Now, you don't necessarily have to go all in. You could bet... If there's 113 in there, you could bet 100. That might that has a similar impact on Shadowlovs, who has 128 left, right? It's, right, it's but kind of the same thing. I think it is really effective to yeah. threaten his life. I agree because I mean, he can still you know spin it up if he calls and loses with 28 million remaining. I I, I agree with you. I will say um, it does look a little more transparent that you're trying to get him to fold, though, when you actually threaten his life like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. But maybe uh, that doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter because I mean, it doesn't Jerry matter. Yang won the main event just with blind aggression. Yeah, you know. Like, he's not a good player. I mean, that was, like, in 2007. Yeah, I know, right? but I mean, I'm saying, like, that's... Things have changed. That 
But yeah, it, but blind aggression is powerful. But this is this isn't like a super high roller. This is a five k. Yes. There's going to be a lot of players at this table who are affected by things like absolutely stuff and, that Jerry Yang would do. And even though Shadowlov has results and has been around for a while, that doesn't mean to say he isn't affected by these money jumps either. Yeah, he might be. I don't know. Um, I think as Sam, I like going big. I think a hundred is fine. I don't know if you need to go on, but I think all in's fine too. I like I like putting huge pressure on him if you're not going to give up. I agree with you. A medium sized bet is a terrible idea. Yeah. Because now it looks like the worst hand he has is a queen. That's top pair. He might just decide to call if we make it callable. Like an amount that he's like, well, I'm still in and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be wrong. We, can, we don't want him to think it's okay to be wrong. Right. And so Sam goes for the ultimate version of that with the all-in. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think I it's th- at least it's at least okay. I don't know if I love it because the worst hand he has is a queen now. Yeah. But if we don't think he has that many slow plays in him, then I kind of like it again. Yeah, if, if Greenwood's sitting there assuming that Shadalov actually is raising his two pairs and sets with a pretty high frequency before this, then it, it becomes a pretty good play. Then I think it's a good play. Actually, yeah. then I like it. Then I'm going to give it the thumbs up. Yeah, which it's standard to assume that somebody would raise a two pair or a set at yeah. some point along along the hand or, or maybe even like lead the river, you know? I mean, yeah. When Sam bets so much on the turn, it, like Shadalov might decide to raise some of his strong hands there too because it looks like Sam's polarized yeah at the same point because sam's polarized you might call and let him bluff or bet his really strong hand on the river you figure another bet's coming in a lot of the time and you can wait sometimes especially in a highly leveraged tournament situation like this even if you think just calling the turn would be the better play it's like a little scary to just call the turn with with a super strong hand because you're like i'm just not going to get any more money in it's going to suck or like, a card's going to come. Yeah, the card's going to freaking lose. An ace is going to come on the river. He's going to make top sets. Yeah. I'm going to freaking lose, yeah. you know. Now, the truth is, like, if we're raising and he, we hope he, and he has aces, he may not fold anyway, right. but he might. I mean, but the, and the idea is you're not, you're not raising to fold out the, no. second, the worst hand. So, like, that, that mindset is not great. But I think for a lot of people, it does play into it, you know. Yeah. It's like, there's a, this is a sizable pot, and it's worth winning. Yeah. You know? Now, Shadow is probably too good to be thinking like that. Yeah. I would imagine. I think so. So he's going to have some slow plays in him, I got I to gotta bet. But he's mm-hmm. also going to have some raises with good hands. So actually, overall, I think I like Greenwood's move. I like it, too, because I think Greenwood also has probably played with Shadow for a really long time. He probably knows if this guy has a lot of slow plays in him or not, you know? Yeah. So he can probably eliminate more slow plays than we can anyway, hopefully. Right. If he, if he can. Let me say if he can. Yeah. Um, and he should have a lot of knowledge about that. Then it becomes easier to shove too. He's like, oh yeah, you just have like, you almost always have top pair only. Right. So forget it. I'm all in. Like you, you good luck. The other component of this that is working for Greenwood is the range advantage. Like you said, he could have four, six or six, nine and have made a straight where a Shadowlov absolutely could not. Greenwood right. could have a set of Queens. He can have aces. He can have Kings. Yep. Shadowlov can't really have any of those hands. Yep. So that's a pretty significant range advantage. Yeah. Sam has literally all the strong hands. Yeah. Um, I guess the two pair combos is where it starts to fall apart, but everything set is all the sets and better. Yeah. And Shalov has less of them. Right. And none of the nutted ones. That's pretty good. It is. It is. And that's not just preflop, but it's consistent throughout the hand because of Greenwood just being aggressive the whole time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if he had four, six suited, he flops a gutter. Um, does he turn double gutted? Uh, yeah. So he continue. Yeah. And he gets there. If he has six, nine suited, he flops, flops nothing. nothing. He, he bets $7 million. He turns open-ended and gets there, right? No, it turns a gutter. Oh, he turns a gutter? Yeah. Okay, but he might continue either way. He yeah. picks up equity either way. So that's, you know, there it is. All right, so now, now on to Shadilov. Yes. How should we be thinking about this? 
okay. sucks so when, bad. Once we like, get past the emotional sort of thing of like, okay, now we are actually in a spot. And something to, to consider is like, we're looking at this hand in a vacuum, but a tournament is a, a fucking slog, right? Yeah. And there are all these different emotional plateaus that you hit at different times based on the situation in the tournament. And now you've ma- recently made the final table. You're one of the three clear chip leaders. You feel like a certain way about how your tournament is going, right? You're mm. like, you're like, this is a spot where I could win the tournament. And like, I'm supposed to be the guy putting pressure on the short stacks and stuff. Right. And now that's completely been flipped. And you're like, this could be my last hand with eight left. And I will say this 128 is still pretty good as a chip stack right now. Yeah. Like that's something we should be thinking about is like, if I fold, what's my situation? It's not bad. You're probably like about average yeah. chip stack. I mean, it was better to have whatever you had before 181 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this is not like, it's not too bad. Right. So that's a pretty awesome thing that Sam has done. You know, I'm jumping back to Sam for a second, but like giving shadow of this thing of like hero in a tough spot to go out and only win 70 K or be in a perfectly fine situation where you can absolutely still win the tournament. It's not crazy at all. You know, and easily, easily make a lot more money. You know, that's kind of cool. So that's something that Shallow has to be thinking about. Number one it's just like if I fold, it's not so bad. Like I'm in pretty good shape. Number one. Number two, another thing you should be thinking about is, I mean, how plausible is the story? I think is a really important thing to be asking himself. Right. Yeah. I don't know that it's very plausible. That Greenwood would bet this much with value on turn and river. Just don't know if I really buy it that much. And that is prob- that, and that, that would sort of start to pull me back the other way. Like, my first inclination would be like, I have to fold. Like, yeah. as soon as he goes all in, my, I often have, like, I'm sure you have this too, like, an instantaneous, like, what I'm supposed to do. And then you may think about it and change your mind, right? Yeah. Someone does something, it's like, I'm calling that, or I'm going to, I have to fold now. And then I t- stop and, like, think about it and usually go with that first thought, but not always. I'm sure his first thought, well, my first thought would have been, I have to fold for sure. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what his was, but I would think it would be, I have to fold. <laughs> So then, but then I would start to think about this story thing of like, but what is he, how can he have a set and bet so much on the turn and so much on the river? And look, look, I'm so capped here. If I know that I fast play my, uh, my two pair hands, especially, you know, if like the best hand I ever have is a queen, then what the hell is he doing? This is terrible. This is not a good play by him. If the best hand I have is a queen, right? Right. And he knows that he's Sam freaking Greenwood. So that would start to, I would, that would really be like bugging me right but then i would just i would get in my own head and start worrying about okay it is sam fucking greenwood yes he's leveling me he's got aces he's just gonna turn over like ace queen and i'm gonna be the biggest idiot in the world because he knows exactly what's going on how sick would that be if he had ace queen there like don't don't you have those feelings sometimes when you're against good players and they're doing something that's like that like this you're like but what if he's just one level past you know and he knows what level i'm on and he's exploiting me i know you know, I know it sucks. It sucks. And the truth is you can talk yourself into anything. If you start going on levels, right? Yeah. Start doing the leveling thing. You can talk yourself into, he has the nut lower. He has the nuts and both make sense. If yeah. you go enough levels deep. So that's, it is problematic to think that way. Um, unless you know what level the guy's on. Right. It's really problematic. Sam would be a tough guy to try and figure out what level he's on at any moment. I would think I'd be really concerned about trying to figure that out. Yeah. I think so. You- wouldn't you shouldn't spend time trying to figure right. that out? You just figure something else out, you yeah. know. So then, I don't know if we if we're not thinking about the story. Part, sorry, if we're not thinking about the level part of it, does that mean we shouldn't be? Should we be throwing out the whole story because he could be on any level, or is that we should still be taking the story into consideration? I think we let's forget about the story for a second. Sure, and just think about the hands that he could have Good. and. We we have outlined the value. Let's say kings is the bottom of the value. Let's let's not okay. let's not go as far as ace queen. I don't think he would shove ace queen here. All right. But 
Let's just, Maybe let's just say Kings is the bottom of the value if he right. plays value like this. He's got Kings, Aces, Sets, Straights. Not really any two pairs, except for maybe Queen 8 suited. Queen 8 suited, yeah. Maybe 8-5 yeah. suited. Maybe 8-5 suited, yeah. So that's not a ton of hands. I mean, it's a reasonable amount of hands, but it's not like a ton. It's not a ton. And if we expect that Greenwood is the guy who's going to be doing this type of shit at the final table, he's going to have significantly more bluff combos than he has value combos because yeah. he's just going to be fucking going for it all the time. Yeah. I'm Especially also, against second and third place. I agree. Um, I also think... I agree with everything you just said. I also think that... I think we can discount some of the overpair combos. I know it's not that many. It's only six with kings and aces. I'm not really sure he's going to take this line with kings. I'm not yeah. really convinced he's going to do that because now he's he can only... Like, if he's got top set, well, he can get called by all the strong hands, right? So it makes more sense to bet big. He's like, I'm praying you're slow playing, kid. Yeah. Like, please have it because um, I got you beat anyway. Um, if he has a straight, then of course he, then then there's so many stronger hands that can call him at least in theory. Mm-hmm. But when he has kings, now he's got to get heroed by a queen. Exactly, it's hard to do that. It's just hard, especially when Shalov has a lot of queens, not just like good queens. He didn't call like in middle position when Sam opened under the gun. You know, right. he called a min raise on the in the big blind. Like as Sam, we might be eliminating ace queen from his range. Yeah, maybe or at least knocking some of those out. Mm-hmm. So it's like. The best hand he has most of the time is king queen, and even that he might three bet sometimes. Like you know, maybe maybe he's not going to do any of that because of the twelve blind stack that's there. But maybe he is. It's Shadowlov. He's not nobody. Yeah. So, so I might be able to eliminate some of these hands, not too many, but some of the hands of the value. Maybe not eliminate, but like feel like he doesn't have really all the combos of kings and aces. I would really question that. I, I mean, I think that doesn't even really matter that yeah. much if we're able to divorce ourselves from the situation. And say, okay, the bluffs. Greenwood is a guy who's going to have a ton of bluffs here. And by the way, let's bring back in the story for a second and yeah. expect that bluffs are more common than value just based on the story alone. From a theoretical perspective, I think this is a pretty clear call at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. It's very hard to pull the trigger. Very hard to pull the trigger on a call in a spot like it's this. It's because every time you're wrong, you feel kind of dumb. You look kind of dumb. Everyone just saw it. All your friends think you're kind of dumb. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? People are like, look, nice call asshole you yeah. know like it was so obvious you were beat as we know just from whenever we put these hands on uh youtube and uh people always act like you know whoever whoever lost should have known they were losing no yeah. matter what well youtube commenters are the best poker players in the world <laughs> i mean obviously not everyone does that but there's and almost every if you look at our comments almost every single video has got at least one or two people acting like it was super obvious that the second nuts was beat there or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Or super obvious that, you know, fifth pair was good because the dude who bet, you know, took an extra four seconds before he put the chips in or, you know, he bet this much and that means this. And like, maybe it does in your, in your home game, but I don't know if it does within the elite players play each other, you know, to be clear, this is not all the YouTube comments. A lot, a lot of, a lot of you are probably YouTube commenters who do a great job there. We got a lot of thoughtful, insightful, inquisitive comments that are useful. We're just like, there's a subset who just assume yeah, results oriented stuff. We're just picking on those guys right yeah. now. So, but the point is like, yeah, so, so there's actually this other equity of like, or lack or negative equity of like, am I going to just feel stupid as hell? It's like one thing to like flop middle set and have Sam have flop top set and you're slow playing and he shoves the river yeah. and you call and you're like, whatever, like that sucks, but that's life. But this is like a completely avoidable spot in theory, which is, you know, kind of beautiful yeah. about it from Sam's point of view that he's doing this. But yeah, so that's that's the only thing left, I think, to hold Shadowlaw back. Because I agree, there's Sam Greenwood in this spot is just going to have so many bluffs, especially when we bring the story back in, and just not enough value. 
Yep. And Chetilov puts it together and decides, you know what? The jumps aren't worth enough for me to abandon theory. Yeah. And uh, he makes the call. He makes the damn call. Cripples Sam Greenwood. He does. And becomes the massive chip leader. Sam Greenwood becomes the short stack immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. Very short stack. I mean, he only had 13 million more. So he's got two and a half blinds. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which makes his shove more powerful that he was willing to do it with that being the situation. You want to hear something interesting? Huh. So the way this, the way it ends up going, these two guys finished one, two, Sam wins. Wow. Anyway, and shallow finishes. Sam second. comes all the way back and wins. He must've won like the next three hands. Or that's something. crazy. Yeah. That's well, he's probably, he was probably helped by the button anti structure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Actually, he has a little time. Yeah. Unlike when you're, when you're getting anti out and you're like, he'd be putting in a million every time he kind of has to go quicker, but he can actually wait like five hands before he has to get it in. Was this the torch that lit the Greenwood fire? I believe it was, actually. I think this was, he won a million dollars here, and this was the beginning of the huge run. Wow. And you really wouldn't expect him to win a million dollars after this hand. Right. You'd expect him to win 70K. I, I, I like how he played it. I think I like how he played it, and I think I like how Shadowloft played it, too. Yeah. I think Sam is like knows he's telling a bad story and thinks it probably doesn't matter, and he's probably right. It mostly doesn't matter, and Shadowloft just decided, you know what? It's okay. It matters this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? Not against me. Against other people, but not against me. Good for him. Yeah, it's great. Standing up to the bully. You're not gonna show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.